spring is right around the corner and with it a plethora of outdoor activities. Whether you're into spring turkey hunting, fishing at the lake, or shed hunting and managing your deer property, our partners have got you covered. First up, Tacticam is our title sponsor, and their point-of-view cameras are my go-to method for filming my hunts. Their 6.0 camera has a built-in 1-inch LCD touchscreen that has totally changed the game for me. It's lightweight design, weatherproof housing, and one-touch operation really simplify the self-filming process, and they make sure that I've got high-quality footage to share with my family and friends. My personal favorite setup for turkey season is a 6.0 camera mounted to my shotgun, one on a stake in my decoy spread if I'm using decoys, and one on a bendy clamp mount for an over-the-shoulder angle. And I pair these cameras with the Tacticam remote so I can turn on all three cameras with the push of a single button. To learn more or pick up your 6.0 today, head over to Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. Next up, no matter where my spring pursuits take me, I know I'll be hunting in comfort with my Huntworth camo. They make high-quality, technical hunting clothing at a fraction of the price of other brands. Last turkey season, I hunted in temps ranging from the teens to the mid-80s, snowstorms, pouring rain, blazing sun, and all of that was during the same 10-day trip, and my Huntworth gear had me covered for every single bit of it. My favorites for this time of year include the Durham lightweight pants, the Shelton hoodie, and of course, the Winstead rain suit lives in my hickory pack at all times. You can grab your Huntworth gear at HuntworthGear.com. Finally, the Onyx Hunt app is an absolutely indispensable tool for me this time of year. Whether I'm chasing long beards, looking for an access point when fishing, or just taking the family on a hike, the Onyx Hunt app helps me find access to where I want to be. One of my favorite things to do with the Hunt app this time of year is to get out and roost birds prior to the season, marking them on the Hunt app, then triangulate their location from different listening points. So I've got a really good idea of where those turkeys are roosting once the season rolls around. To learn more about all the awesome features of the Onyx Hunt app, head over to their website, onyxmaps.com. Now let's get into this week's show. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. I'm your host, Pierce Nellis, and this is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State. Folks, I hope you had a chance to get outside and uh, continue enjoying the unseasonably warm weather. It's got me thinking about turkeys a heck of a lot. Um, but I know for a lot of other folks, it's got them thinking about fishing and particularly a pretty hot walleye bite that I understand seems to be coming up here shortly um full disclosure despite being a, a lifelong wisconsinite i've never intentionally caught a walleye um you know hooked into a couple of them while bass fishing and uh doing some other random fishing and stuff like that but never actually gone out in pursuit of walleye um which i feel like kind of makes me a almost a bad wisconsinite i don't know i feel a little little guilt about that um so I don't really know a ton about walleyes. Luckily, uh, I've got Mr. Bryce Becker, Wisconsin Weekend Warrior, on the line with me. Bryce, how are we doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing great, man. I'm excited for this conversation because you happen to be a pretty avid walleye angler, correct? Uh, that is correct. I've been walleye fishing since basically I could hold a fishing rod in my hand. Awesome. Awesome. And so, so you and I... Uh, like last week's guest, um, 
Mr. Jeff Hintz, you and I had the pleasure of crossing paths at the BHA uh, Northern Icebreaker, which unfortunately didn't have any ice for us to do any uh, ice fishing on. Um, but you and I crossed paths there, met at the bar like all good Wisconsinites do, and uh, started swapping stories and uh, you know discussing you know fishing and all manner of stuff. And that was when you kind of mentioned that uh, you know you're you're big into walleyes and uh, not afraid to talk about it. And so I'm I'm excited to uh, learn a lot here for folks who haven't uh, maybe pursued walleye uh, like me. Um, I can guarantee just from what we were just chatting about offline, uh, you're definitely going to learn a thing or two. And for folks who are uh, diehard walleye fishermen like Bryce, I bet you'll learn something here as well. Um, but Bryce, why don't you just to kick us off here, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and uh, kind of how you got into walleye fishing and some of the other pursuits that you'd uh, mentioned we were at the banquet? Yeah, um, my name is Bryce. I start, I live in Sussex in southeastern Wisconsin. I fish, I fish the local lakes, but I really grew up fishing in the northern northern part of the state, up around Saner and Vilas County area, and that's where I really you know cut my teeth walleye fishing. It was going up north for Memorial Day and July and stuff like that. Going up north walleye fishing with my grandfather ever since I was you know. Like I said earlier, ever since I could hold a fishing rod and I learned how to fish the northern Wisconsin lakes before I actually ever fish any of the rivers down in southern Wisconsin and kind of midway through the state up around Nakusa and stuff like that. Um, so I love walleye fishing in Wisconsin. I fish pretty much everywhere um, through the ice, open water. As soon as ice is off the lakes, I'm on them chasing whatever is legal to fish for. Um, I got my other two passions are bow hunting for deer and, uh, musky fishing. <laughs> so <laughs> I love chasing me some predator fish and, uh, toothy critters. Absolutely, man. Two, uh, you know, all hobbies that are, that are, you know, maybe just on the mild side of gear intensive, right? You don't need too much to do all that, but <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> not time consuming at all either. No, that's Oh thing. no. Musky fishing <laughs> and bow hunting are really easy. Right. That's, that's what I keep trying to tell folks, but you know, I, I struggle to uh, put my money where my mouth is in that regard, but <laughs> um, yeah, man. So we're, we're, you know, like I mentioned, we were chatting at the banquet and stuff and just kind of hit it off and we were swapping stories. And I thought, you know, this would be, an awesome uh an awesome guy to have on the show and you know get to chat and fish i'm i'm fired up about this me too before we get get on to fishing here uh you're a bit of a a ground level bow hunter as well aren't you yeah i uh my grandfather stuck me in a tree stand for the first time i was ever gun hunting and i absolutely hated it so as soon as i started getting into bow hunting i was just like you know why does nobody ground hunt or why do not a lot of people ground hunt with a bow? Mm -hmm. So I have a property here in the Waukesha County area that is really scrub brushy. And I was always struggling with, Oh, well, I got to put a tree stand here. That's how you bow hunt. You bow hunt mm -hmm. out of a tree stand and without a tree, I was stuck ground hunting. Yeah. So I really got into it because you're able to move around freely. I'm not stuck in one place in a tree. 
and I can adapt the way I sit and where I'm sitting based on how I'm seeing deer moving, mm-hmm. not Absolutely. having to take down a tree stand and move and right. all that other stuff. Right. Yeah, man. It, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that, um, you know, Josh, our, uh, our other host here, he comes to Wisconsin every year, comes up from Georgia for a, a two week rutcation. And this year he especially found himself, he, he hunts a, a public patch um that it's pretty marshy pretty wet kind of similar to what you described there it's a lot of like scrub brush and uh you know just real thick nasty stuff where the deer are hanging out and in years past he's he's discussed how he's been able to you know find trees to throw a saddle platform in he's highly mobile and all that stuff but this year he found himself hunting off the ground more and more and more um, ended up killing the buck that he shot out of a saddle anyways, but I know he had you know, really great encounters with, with deer on the ground. And it seems like almost for, for that landscape, it seems like it might even be kind of the way to go because the, the, I mean, you're so limited in the trees that you're able to climb. And then once you're in a tree, you got to worry about, okay, is this thing even big enough to hide my profile or, or break any of that stuff up? And so I, it almost seems like, you know, especially in the, you know, whether it be marshy or just thick stuff, being on the ground where you can kind of tuck in almost like you're turkey hunting and break yeah. up your profile, find a shadow to sit in and, and stuff like that. It's a little guerrilla warfare tactic and uh, sounds pretty freaking cool, man. Well, yeah, you want to get your heart race. You want to get your heart race and you, uh, you have an eight point buck or bigger step out five yards away from you and you're eyeball to eyeball with this thing. <laughs> trying to figure out, okay, if he puts his head down, now I can draw. Right. And, uh, and gets the heart rate going. Yeah. No kidding, man. I can imagine it's, uh, I mean, it almost depending on how you're sitting you're almost like shooting up at him. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. They're, they're a lot taller than you are when you're sitting down. They're a little intimidating. <laughs> I believe that, especially when they're all bristled up and, and coming in fired up, man. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, well, man, we're going to talk about walleyes here. Um, I'm trying to figure out here still what the best way to, to dive in on this, but I want to, I guess we'll circle back to some of the stuff. Cause you were just dropping knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb. Um, when we were chatting here offline, can you walk us through a little bit, like what walleyes do like in a, in the, you know, in, in a day, a 24 hour period, what are walleyes doing? Do they like low light? Do they like, you know, midday action? What's, you know, what, what are walleyes doing throughout the day? I have found that in, in the early mornings, they are like from sunrise to about 10 o'clock around when sun is peak on a sunny day, given, you know, let's say perfect bass conditions where it's, you know, high sun, not real windy, whatever. Mm -hmm. These fish are going to be in cover in shallower water during the morning hours, they're going to be out hunting. They're going to be out trying to score the easiest meal they can. So they're going to be either up shallow or in weeds, rocks and stuff like that. So I usually in the mornings, I look for around anywhere from around five feet all the way to about 14 is about my max when I'm fishing lakes. Um, River walleye are a little bit different, but I'm sure we'll get into that later. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually around that, you know, that high noon time is when they slide out deeper and they try to actually protect their eyes, I guess is what I'm assuming they're doing. 
because the walleye's eyes are built for low light conditions and a lot of the bright they can't see really well when it's really bright out their eyes really are meant for dark water dark conditions mm-hmm. and just night hunting they are the coyote or the wolf equivalent of a freshwater fish they love low light they are active predators in low light conditions early mornings and then in the afternoons they kind of go dormant now that's not to say that you can't catch them you know oh here's this random walleye on this piece of weeds at you know noon because i've done it before it can happen but the majority of the time the best walleye conditions are low light which is morning early mornings early evenings into the night i fished all the way until one in the morning before and still slayed walleyes into you know two feet of water i have caught walleye on top water in super duper shallow conditions where they're pinning bait up against the the bank of the uh lake trying to find the easiest meal no kidding so so they really are i mean they're they're active predatory fish right they're not i'm, I'm sitting here thinking like about how you know, a lot of what I've heard about walleyes in the past is, oh, yeah, you know, you got to, you know, find the hole and just, you know, jig for them and, and all that. And, you know, feel for that super light bite and, and all that. But they'll, they'll actually, oh, I'm, I mean, my mind jumps to smallmouth here thinking of them, you know, kind of crashing and corralling bait and stuff like that. The, the walleyes will do that at night as well, huh? Yeah, I've, in, in early, early May in the North Woods before season opens up for them, we usually go up and we grab our boat and we usually camp if we can. Um, and I'll just scan the shoreline with a light watching these fish come up shallow or shallow hunting. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to watch these big walleye just swimming in the shallow waters. Sure. Early, early May they're around when they spawn and stuff like that. So they're already up pretty shallow, right. but it's just cool to see these big fish moving up shallow hunting like a pack of wolves. Right. So they'll, they'll school up more or less and basically just push stuff or yeah. circle it. Yeah, walleyes, walleyes will school up on lakes. Um, I, I guess on rivers too. I haven't really had a graph to where I can mark, you know, a mm-hmm. pot of walleyes, but I was, I've been driving around before on certain lakes and I'm looking at my graph and all of a sudden it looks like there's stacked cordwood. Like there's a, a line on top of a line on top of a line on top of a line. Mm-hmm. And usually if we drop down on those nine times out of 10, they are walleye stacked up on each other, congregated in a certain area. Interesting. Huh. And so this kind of pattern of coming up shallow at night or in the evenings and stuff like that, or basically just all, all things low light, that's a year round occurrence right that that's from what um, i have found yeah that is a year-round occurrence i can hear them you know if i'm camping and i'm sitting around the fire there's times where i'm assuming they're walleye because i you know i haven't really seen the smallie on the lakes that i fish doing this i can hear them splashing around in the shallow water busting on bait or just eating especially during a mayfly hatch okay is absolutely insane when all the walleyes come up and are either hammering mayflies on the top or they're chasing around bait. Really? So they'll come up and they'll rise to, to mayflies. The mayflies? Oh yeah. Yeah. During a mayfly hatch, it yeah. is insane. The amount of walleye I've cleaned that I just have a belly full of mayflies. No kidding. So all of that just at night, like coming up shallow and going for it. Or if there's a hatch during the day, will they do the same thing? Or are they more focused on like the nymphs down below? 
they are during the mayfly hatch. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen them really active on the surface slurping on flies. Yeah. Most of the time they are down below chasing the minnows or the perch that are also trying to chase the flies. But at night they have zero problems going up and eating mayflies. Dude, that is so cool. That is so freaking cool, man. And so is it, are they very discerning between, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here again. I, I, I had to warn um, Kyle Tyree when I had him on to talk ice fishing. I've got really bad trout brain, man. And so, like, we start talking about bugs, and I, I begin to nerd out. Will they <laughs> Will they go crazy for, uh, you know, I'm sitting here thinking like a small, you know, blooming olive hatch, like what we see on our trout streams. Will they still eat on the surface for flies like that, or do they like those larger um, northern mayflies? They like a lot of the larger northern mayflies. Okay. I've really only noticed walleye eating mayflies in the northern portion of the states. Mm-hmm. Granted, that's because I really only fish the lakes for walleyes up there during that time. Sure. So I'm assuming that's why I'm seeing that. Um, but when there's a large mayfly hatch, you can almost o- certainly count that the walleyes will be eating mayflies and they will be hard to catch on minnow baits during the night. That's so cool man or if you go there after the mayfly hatch and you're too late yeah it is really hard to catch them because they are just engorged on mayflies yeah i'm sure dude that is so cool i just added something to my uh my bucket list for the year i think is trying to catch one on a on a dry fly at night (laughs) i've caught them on a whopper popper at night so really Something yeah. that that causes that much disturbance, they'll go for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had two or three follow it. Holy smokes. That's mind-blowing, dude. This is like shattering my... Uh, Perspective my precon- on walleyes? Yeah, my, my preconceived notions on how these little, you know, dainty fish that you have to... Because that's all I've heard, man. It's like, yeah, jig for them. And it's a really, really light bite and all that. You got to be oh. super careful. But, dude, like... Well, that's what I, that's what I grew up learning is, all right, you got to be really slow with walleyes. You can't, you know, just gently lift it off the bottom and, you know, put it back down and go slow. Sure. But in reality, some of these fish that are active and really hungry, some of the bigger active fish will hammer a jerk bait. They'll eat a tube jig. They'll eat a crankbait and they will jerk that rod out of your hand. Really? Yeah. Dude, that is so cool this has me fired up man so before you'd mentioned um you know what they're doing you know if if they're spawning or you know pre-spawn whatever it may be when do walleye spawn and what does that look like like are they i'm you know a lot of folks they hear spawning fish they picture you know the big moon-shaped craters in the uh up in the shallows and stuff what are walleyes doing Honestly, I don't know much about, you know, what their bed structure looks like, if they bed or anything like that. Sure. A lot of walleyes go up really shallow to spawn, much like muskies do, Mm -hmm. um, where they will pair up or they'll go up in big groups and they'll spawn. And you can shine a light and you can see hundreds of hundreds of these walleyes on a shoreline lined up to spawn. Hmm. That's fascinating. And so they just kind of do the same sort of thing, you know, rolling on each other and yeah, and just all that. Yeah. 
Interesting. Well, that's why the river runs are so popular is because the walleyes are going upriver to spawn. Right. So, you know, you catch all these walleyes in this river while they're running up to spawn. Mm -hmm. Totally. I'm going to hold off on asking about the, the uh, walleyes running up river for now. Cause I know that's a, I, at least I can imagine that's a can of worms, but <laughs> yeah. so you've mentioned, uh, you mentioned they're eating mayflies. They're eating other fish. They're willing to eat, you know, crazy stuff like that would assume that they think is a frog or something uh swimming across the surface of the water i had no idea what that walleye was doing eating a whopper plopper but <laughs> he was hungry yeah we'll take it absolutely what what else are they are they feeding on are they will they eat crayfish will they eat um obviously you know i've targeted them on you know leeches and crawlers and stuff like leeches. that i have had a problem trying to find something that a walleye won't eat because really? I've caught them on, you know, inline spinner baits. I've seen them follow my musky bucktails. Mm -hmm. I have seen them, you know, eat a tube jig, which mimics a crawfish. Yeah. So that's actually one of my favorite baits for walleyes in the Northwoods is a tube jig, dra you know, dragging it over rock. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really more of a game of what a walleye, what will a walleye eat? and you're trying to match the hatch of what is going on in that lake at that time. Right. So if I'm in the, if I'm on the lake around labor day, I know that usually when the perch hatch is happening on my mm -hmm. lake. So I will use something that mimics a perch. So sure. something as like a fire tiger Rapala or just something that mimics a perch. I know Northland tackle makes some really good looking perch baits. Um, so it's more of, you know, everybody talks about it, match the hatch. Yeah. So what has the most abundance in the lake is what you want to be using. I like it, man. I'm tracking here. All right. And so it's one of the funnest bites ever is a walleye on a tube jig, man. That is so fun. <laughs> Just bouncing in the rocks? Bouncing it in the rocks or pulling it out of weeds. Okay, sure. I like it. I like that a lot. So you mentioned... I want to circle back real quick to the, to the low light conditions and stuff like that. And how, so you mentioned around midday, they start to go deep for most of the afternoon. They're kind of laying dormant, resting and stuff like that. Well, you ever depending have on light conditions? Yeah. Okay. So that was going to be my question there, depending on light conditions. If it's a, an overcast kind of drizzly crappy day, will they be more willing to come up and, uh, you know, feed more actively throughout the day? Yes. Um, I've noticed that during a cloudy overcast day, usually with some wind, I can catch walleyes from sun up to sundown. No um, We actually are like when my grandfather and I are up north and we see a cloudy day with a slight breeze, mm -hmm. great walleye day. We're going to go out. We're going to do whatever we can to find where these fish are at and stay on them all day long. And sure. we've had it where, all right, maybe they're not, you know, at this spot during the morning, but as soon as it hits around like 11 o'clock noon, when a lot of fishermen are going in, we hammer them. I have had uh -huh. it where we don't catch a single walleye from about 6 a.m. to about 10. Where you know, we're catching bluegill, we're catching pike, whatever, but all of a sudden those walleye that were out deeper during the morning for whatever reason, maybe it's sunny in the morning, 
right? Say it's sunny in the morning and then it starts to cloud up in the afternoon. Those walleye that might've been deep because it was super sunny in the morning will slide up shallower during the mid afternoon when it starts to get cloudy and windy and they'll start feeding then. Really? And what do you, so what do you think causes that shift? Do you think it is like light conditions? Okay. Gotcha. That's so wild, man. So I've got a question here now, just thought, you know, it jumped into my mind as you uh, were saying that. So say you wake up in the morning, you know, you, you and your grandpa or, you know, whoever you're going out trying to get on that early, uh, that early morning walleye bite, say you're on a lake in this scenario. Mm -hmm. What are you looking for in that? uh, I I guess to, to start the day. And to start the day, usually we'll move on to a spot that's got a good mix of either rock and weeds because walleyes, their nickname is a gravel snake. They love rock. They love Mm -hmm. gravel. They love everything about it. So if you can find a good combination of weeds and rock, you are set. Huh? If you have a weed edge that it that borders up to say you got a weed edge and right outside that weed edge, you have rock that are deep rock that mm-hmm. comes up the weeds. You are absolutely golden for finding walleyes. Interesting. And so does it matter? As you mentioned gravel there, does it size of rock matter or just as long as you've got that seam of weeds to rock? If you got a seams from weed to rock, I don't think it matters. I haven't dove down and looked at the sides of the stones that are in the lakes that I fish. Sure. But I know they're there because my jig heads keep getting tangled in them. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I've caught walleye, you know, fishing right on that seam where if I, if I cast, you know, two feet to the left, I'm in weeds. If I cast five feet to the right, I'm in rock. Yeah. And I will just drag either, you know, I'll, I'll slowly move a minnow around you know, that line just twitching it up and down or I'll, you know, I'll cast whatever I want in there. And I have caught fish, you know, coming from, you know, they either come from the weeds or the rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, walleyes will sit in weeds. Um, I've caught walleye, you know, buzzing a, a spinner bait over for pike and I've caught walleye, you know, in the weeds, yeah. but usually I'm looking for, you know, rock structure okay. with, you know, some either low weeds or coontail specifically is what we usually look for something big and brushy that they can hide and ambush it. Sure. And I would imagine then at, at the same time, you know, the, I guess the, the brushier those weeds are, it's probably going to give them a little bit more light cover as well. So they can, you know, get into some more, some more shade and be a little more comfortable in that sense too. And now that you're saying that I'm sitting here thinking back to a time in high school when I accidentally caught like a little 10 inch walleye on a Sanko while I was bass fishing some weeds and uh, starting to click here a little bit, man. But <laughs> um, so ideal conditions clearly sounds like low light, a little bit of breeze, like you said, um, some chop on the water, stuff like that. As you work through the day, Presuming you've got ideal conditions, say it is that overcast, breezy day, to follow the fish around, or I guess even if you're not, even if it's sunny, I guess. So you're you're gonna find that shallow weed line, ideally between weeds and rock. Then as the day progresses and the sun gets a little bit higher, they start to move deeper. Are you looking for the same features 
nearby that bay or that I, i'm i'm looking for the same features but deeper okay if i can find just deeper rock mm-hmm. i'll go to the deeper rock if i can find you know even if it's just deeper weeds and say like 25 feet of water yeah um i i will fish those deeper weeds it may be not you know jigging because it's hard to jig in weeds yeah. But I will find that edge of the weeds and I'll say if it's really tough conditions, I'll drag a crawler harness through it. Now okay. I am not the biggest fan of trolling for walleyes. I don't find it, you know, particularly enjoying in my opinion, mm-hmm. but if it's tough conditions, I really want to get on some walleye. I will put on a pencil weight on a three-way rig with a crawler harness and drag it through some deep weed edges. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. And so when you're looking for those weed edges later on, are those typically like adjacent to that shallower or maybe even an extension of uh, yeah. where you were fishing in the morning, just kind of working slowly deeper yep. off of that now, area? Yep. Say I got like a five foot hump where the walleyes will come up on the hump, you know, in the mornings and then they'll slide back down to the the lower parts of the humps or the points that jut out. So you got a five foot point that at the, at the shallowest is, you know, say five feet and -hmm. at the deepest is say 25, they will suspend, they will not suspend. They'll be on every grade of that point. So a lot of times I'll cast up to the shallow and I'll drag my jig down the grade of the slope. So say it's five feet and it has a, you know, whatever percent grade, and it goes down to 25, I'll work my jig from that five feet down to 25. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game-changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm going to be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com, and share your hunt with Tacticam. Do you typically go shallow to deep? I would imagine, I guess, as the day progresses, that would make the most sense, just kind of follow them down. Yeah, uh, it depends on, you know, how I can position the boat. Right. Um, If it's easier to position the boat in the five feet, I'll cast deep. I'll cast deep and bring it up shallow. Um, Mm -hmm. but ideally I'll bring it shallow. I'll cast shallow and bring it, you know, bring it towards the boat, in the deeper water. Okay. Gotcha. Now switching gears here over to rivers. Are you still looking for the same kind of, uh, if you can find rocks and weeds, um, in that kind of regard, or, uh, maybe even like shallower kind of like backwater type stuff or on rivers. It's mostly, you know, historic areas that I have caught fish before, um, say there's a bunch of wood because I fish the rock river quite a bit. Um, so there's a lot more wood and stuff of that nature opposed to weeds. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So it's mostly off of historic areas. I know of some areas that are rock that transfer that shallow rock that transfer it transfers into deeper with some wood. Um, So it's mostly on the river. It's, you know, cover my bases on spots. I know, and just cover water. If the walleye are not in one area, don't stick and keep drifting that same area. You might pick up one or two here or there as they move through, but just cover water is the biggest thing that I can, you know, tell people if they want to go out and they want to catch walleyes is don't be specific to one spot. Oh, I've caught walleyes here in the past. Well, yeah, you might've caught walleyes in the past there, but they move. Yeah. So cover, cover water. If you're not catching them, you know, in this one drift, say you make two drifts in this one section of the river, go either up river or down river. And it's a shake of the dice on what time of year or whatever. I know a lot of people like to go towards the mouth of the river um, or up by the dams or wherever, say mm-hmm. the rock river, they like to fish um, further towards Blackhawk Island towards the mouth of the river. Sure. I tend to go further up river and then move my way down. Gotcha. Um, a lot of people will do that opposite. They'll start at the mouth and they'll move up or they'll just fish the mouth, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah, you can catch a lot of fish doing that, but I find it more effective in my opinion. And with talking to people at the boat launches comparing, Oh, I caught two. Well, I caught 12 and you guys are fishing the mouth of the river and I'm covering big sections of river throughout the day. Sure. Absolutely, man. I, uh, I feel like I'm going to have to do some editing here to uh, not burn your spots out here. Huh. <laughs> um, very interesting. So then I guess same sort of scenario. You're going to go out first thing in the morning on rivers. Mm-hmm. Are are you immediately heading for you know some of those known spots, or say you're on like a new body of water? What do you look for in that scenario? In that scenario, I'm on my graph, and I'm if I'm in a boat that I got that I have a good graph on, I'm in that boat and I'm looking for fish. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for, say it's a lake. I am looking for points. I'm looking for deeper water with, you know, a good, a good drop off is Mm -hmm. what I'm looking for. Um, that, you know, if I drive through it and I'm marking fish, we will, or we'll drop a pin on it and we'll just circle on that area. And if we continue on that contour line on that lake and we continue marking fish, we will fish that contour line back. So we drive over, see if we can mark some fish and, you know, visually confirm, Hey, there might be walleye here. And then we move back and we work that contour line down. Got it. And so then similar principle on rivers or how does that process differ? Usually on rivers, say, you know, say it's my first time fishing the Wisconsin river. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to look for eddies that will give these fish, you know, time to lay on their belly on the bottom sure. and, you know, eat ambush fish as they're coming across. So I'll look for these current eddies and I'll fish, I'll fish those. I'll, you know, either spot like the boat or anchor and I'll cast upstream and let my bait drift down the eddy covering, you know, either the shallower water, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll cast up shallower in the eddy and I'll let it drift down deeper, um, popping it along the way or, you know, just letting it drag. Cause I last weekend at when I was out fishing, the, the name of the game was a split shot and a floater. Yep. 
sometimes it's not even a jig. Sometimes you need to have a floating minnow, you know, a foot off the bottom and just let that weight drag across the bottom as that minnows up, up top above your weight swimming around. Interesting. So really just kind of in the sense of rivers, it just kind of depends on, all right, where can I find the structure that these fish are going to be using to ambush? Um, and then throughout the day, then since they're most active in, in the morning and this, or at dusk in the lower light and stuff on the rivers, as the day progresses, are they just dropping down deeper into those holes and resting for the afternoon and before they come back up or how does that look? I think on rivers, light doesn't affect walleye as much Okay. due to the water being darker. Yeah. Totally. And it, the water will, the light won't be able to penetrate the water as easily. Right. So a lot of these river walleyes will stay active throughout the day. Okay. Um, obviously if it's, you know, blight, bright bluebird sky day, I've had days where I'm on the river and I'm not catching anything. It is too hot. These fish are not wanting to eat. They're in a negative feeding mood and I'll drag a slip bobber behind the boat. Mm -hmm. um, just creep in the boat about as slow as I can go with the current or yeah, with the current and yeah, I'll still be vertical jigging, but I'll be mostly focused on that bobber trying right. to get that bobber to just in, in a fish's face. Right. And usually if you can go slow enough, these fish will eat. Um, but it's very rare on any of the rivers during the time period that I'm fishing that I have to do that. Sure. A lot of my tactics are, you know, vertical jigging or anchoring up in this area that has a deeper hole in casting, you know, up into the shallower water, letting it drift through the hole. Sure. Sure. I'm tracking here. That all adds up. So that I've heard that before the, the speed at which you're, your bait or your boat um, or your drift is moving through can definitely play a factor in for uh, some finicky walleye, correct? Yeah, 100%. Um, oftentimes in Wisconsin, we're allowed to run three lines. Yep. So oftentimes we will be running, I'll have one jig head that's got a jig and a minnow, a jig and a plastic. And then off the side of the boat, I will either have a you know, a floating jig head, preferably like chartreuse, something in the darker water they can see mm -hmm. um, with a minnow floating about a foot above. Or I'll use a one-eighth ounce weedless jig head to kind of bounce around in those sticks and not get snagged. Sure. And if it's a real slow day jigging, sometimes we'll rely on that dead stick that's off to the side. Yeah. Interesting. See, now we're starting to sound like the walleye I've, I've heard about, where they're real real particular and uh, uncooperative. Oh, sometimes they can be like that, but sometimes <laughs> they don't. Sometimes it'll be a day where put the minnows away, where they're just smacking plastics. I've okay. had multiple days where it's, all right, well, minnows aren't doing anything. Let me switch to this plastic. Right. Well, they don't like that plastic. There's no, say, purple in it. Mm -hmm. I had an incident uh, on the rock, on the Wisconsin river last year where I was using, uh, I forget what brand they were. I think it was the Kytec swimming impact. One of the, I really like the Kytec uh, plastics when it comes to walleye fishing, mm -hmm. they just have great action. Um, and I was using one that had, I think it was a gray flake in it and I was okay. not getting bit on it. All of a sudden I switched to one that is a purple flake on the inside and I'm just getting hammered. 
So there are days walleye fishing where that subtle difference will make or break your day. Sure. Yeah, man, that (laughs) when I was growing up, my dad would go up to Canada and fish with some of his buddies. And uh, I remember him coming back one year and he said that they were, they were all fishing together. And one of the guys had a, I think it was like a crawler or a leech or something like that, but it was on a black jig head that had a white eye and he was just pounding fish and nobody else could get anything. And the guy in his boat was like, all right, man, what, like, what are you using that? Like, I've got a black jig head on. What the heck am I like? What, what's going on that like you're getting all these fish and they won't even look at mine. And the guy's like, um, I don't know. Let me see your jig real quick. And he took out his knife and just shaved a little bit of paint off the side on each side to give it kind of that reflective, you know, eye shape kind of. And uh, the guy dropped it back down and like, you know, I think within a minute or two, boom, it was on fish and the dude just pounded fish the rest of the day. (laughs) Like it's sometimes those subtle difference with these fish will make the entire world, um, whether you're going to catch them or not. It's so weird, man. I'd love to know what goes on in their brain. that They're just like, eh, no, I won't take a silver fleck, but I'll take a purple fleck. That looks better. And like, I would love to know the. <laughs> I I think in that instance, it had to do with the time of year. Okay. Um, I know on the Wisconsin River, while you're eating a lot of sheep's head or baby sheep's head, mm-hmm. uh, smaller sheep's head. Um, and I'm guess I, with my talk to the local bait shops that that purple mimics the shine of a baby sheep's head sure. better than say, you know, silver or black. Yeah, no, totally. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Huh. That just goes to show, you know, that, like you said before, matching the hatch and knowing, you know, it's one thing to know about walleyes and know about bass or pike or whatever, but knowing about what the food is in a specific lake or river and what that food, you know, a lot of those fish, you know, like a sheep's head that everybody looks at and they're just like, oh, it's a, you know, junk fish. Who cares? Like, I don't, you know, don't need these things. Just a herd of them, you know, messing up the water and all that. But when the walleyes are hitting them, it pays to know exactly yeah. what those imitate, you know, what those, those fry look like and stuff like that. That's awesome, yeah. man. So I want to circle over now to, uh, you know, we kind of talked about what, what the walleye bite looks like throughout the day. Um, and, you know, conditions and stuff like that i guess one more question on conditions did walleye respond favorably to cold or warm fronts or barometric pressure in any way oh that will completely shut them off or turn them on okay all right i have had i have had i've been camping up in the north woods for a week and say it's you know it's beautiful swimming weather all week and then you have that one cold day you want to be fishing on that cold day okay interesting just so they're they're going to be more active on that cold day yes i have i have noticed that walleye and warm water are not on you know positive feeding trends sure when the water starts to dip down colder you know it could be just you know a few degrees surface temp difference Mm -hmm. but i have noticed that those fish will start picking up again now in the winter months it's the opposite you know you want the water to be like around now, around, you know, what a month is this, February? Yep. The water needs to be a little bit warmer for these fish to get back into their aggressive feeding moods right. because the water's barely above freezing. Right. Um, now is the time of year where you're going to catch more saugers than you are walleyes. Okay. Because um, the sauger, 
everybody's like, oh, Sauger's just like a walleye. Sauger's actually like the colder weather more than walleyes do. All right. And Sauger don't get as big as walleye, correct? Correct. They're the smaller cousin. It's in between okay. a perch and a walleye. Right, right. A little Size bit darker. Comparison. Yeah. No yeah. white spot on the tail. Yeah, that's right. Yep. I'm tracking. They taste the same, man. So for folks listening to this, uh, this is going to come out. Today's the 12th that we're recording this. This is going to come out on the, if my calendar will open, uh, it'll come out on the 20th here. So I know that we've got unseasonably warm weather in the forecast uh, for at least the next 10 days. Is this kind of, uh, you know, just I'm blanking on it. Is it El Nino? Is that what they call this? Yeah, this is El Nino winter. Yeah, is this El Nino winter? Is that uh, going to be a good thing for walleye fishing? Like, should folks be, I, be trying to get I'm out? I'm thinking out the... it's going to – I'm thinking based on what I saw last weekend with me, you know, getting the walleyes in the locations that I was getting them and how far up the river I was, that this, this walleye run is going to be earlier than a lot of people are thinking it's going to be. Okay. Um, due to water temperatures, you know, warming up. Cause I already caught walleye that were, you know, of course they're full of eggs, but she was the one twenty. I think it was 21 and a half incher that I caught was just an absolute football full okay. of eggs. Got it. Interesting. And so what, what time is, I guess, what time of year is it this kind of bite typically happening? Is it more towards March, March, April, March okay. and April gotcha. around so this Southern Wisconsin zone. Um, up northern Wisconsin, around the you know Petenwell area, around that area of the Wisconsin River, maybe a little bit later, maybe into that May months when the water temperature matches okay. down here by us. Sure, got it. So it's so they're really they're doing a lot more of a. Well, I guess I, I don't I don't want to jump to conclusions here. Are they going to be more likely to jump into that spawn mode? based off of water temperature or based off of time of year? I think it is water temperature because I've had, you know, I've had, this is the earliest I've actually been out and yep. caught walleye. Okay, I was sure. out on the river actually today of last year, fishing the same stretch of river that I was to, uh, this weekend. And I didn't catch a single walleye. We okay. caught only saugers. Got it. Um, and the fact that so many people are out now catching these walleyes in the river and the numbers that they are, I think that's showing, in my opinion, that the walleye run might happen sooner rather than later in the month. There's no specific science like, oh, the walleyes are going to spawn this weekend, this month, at this time. Right. We're not it's more of the rut. Exactly. It's more of, okay, what's the weather doing? You know, what time of year is it and what's the weather doing? Much like okay. the rut. If you got a warm October, it's going to move that farther back. Maybe right. Halloween weekend isn't going to be the greatest time to be up there. Maybe it's two weeks after Halloween weekend. Okay. Got it. So do you think, now that I've got rut brain going here as well, do you think it's the kind of thing where we've got, uh, you know, so say they they jump, you know, we, we get a good push a fish here the next week or so and then say march 1st rolls around and we get a huge cold snap big snowstorm uh you know total mess is that going to i would assume kind of slam on the brakes for a lot of stuff 
it might slow it down. I don't think it's going to fully stop it because once the walleye start spawning, they kind of, you know, they keep spawning. Okay. Uh, it's not, I, at least from what I think, from what I've been told that once walleye start, they don't really stop until they're done. Got it. It's okay. not like a, it's not a trick or, got, or anything like that. Yeah, no, it's not like a, a buck where it's like, oh, it's cold. I'm no longer, you know, in the mood to breed. Mm-hmm. It's more of, I got to release these eggs before I pop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I can't imagine that's a particularly comfortable uh, way to be swimming up in a, a strong current river. Um, no. Got it. So, so it kind of sounds like, so I guess circling back to the spawn, when is that typically? Typically, you said May or, you know, April. February to May. February to May. Okay, got it. So, sounds like yeah, this. Got it, in February. So then, sounds like right about now tends to be kind of our, our best time to be targeting walleye, correct? I usually go as soon as ice is off and give it a week off of ice off is okay. when I start going to the rivers. Um, fishing for walleye is pretty heavy. Okay. Sure. Got it. And so then throughout the year, then how does that, I guess, how does your strategy differ, um, throughout the year from kind of this time, I guess, like, you know, ice off all the way through till, you know, December, January, when things freeze back up. During the hot months on the rivers, Mm -hmm. I just, I, I stopped fishing them for walleyes. Okay. Um, they get really busy and the water gets really smelly. And mm-hmm. I think on the Wisconsin or on the rock, they go into Koshkanaw and do whatever. I don't know. I have never fished really the rock river in the summertime. Um, I really haven't met anybody that fishes the rock for walleye in the summertime. Sure. Um, I know on the Wisconsin river, they go into Pete and well, and you can catch them all year long, long trolling or casting up on Pete and well. Okay. Uh, but a lot of times I'll switch gears onto the the lakes when I go up north. Um, I don't fish a lot of the local lakes around Waukesha County because um, it's they've got weird you know size limits you know eighteen or whatever, and you got all the skiers and boaters and stuff like that. It's it's a mess trying to go out there and pinpoint a spot, and right. you got all these jet skiers buzzing around you and stuff like that. <laughs> so if we go up to the North Woods in say July. Um, I'm still going to be targeting the same structure that I would in May. Right. Um, okay. Now, am I going to have the, the success that I had in May when they're just getting off spawn and they just start eating, you know, heavy again? No. Am right. I still going to be able to catch fish in those areas and key in on certain areas where these fish might be? Yes. Got um, it. the only thing that might change is I might go deeper. Okay. Than what I normally would. So instead of say 20 feet being my max, maybe I'll extend that out to 40. All right. Gotcha. It's pretty significant differences there. It's much like musky fishing. You know, mm-hmm. when the water gets too warm, these muskies go deep to try and stay cool. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of fish. Um, very cool. So now I want to jump over to, targeting walleye we've mentioned a couple of different tactics you know pulling a having a slip bobber back behind the boat uh you know jigging for them you know vertically uh trolling for walleyes and stuff like that 
is there i guess what are the, what what's kind of the time and the place for any of these tactics so i like using slip bobbers um i'll start with slip bobbers right. i like using slip bobbers the most during the hot warm periods of the year um where these fish aren't going to be moving really fast they're going to be kind of hunkered down in the weeds and maybe they just need a minnow floating around above the weeds to kind of tantalize them into, into eating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll have a slip barber, you know, out while I'm casting the weed edges with a, uh, with a tube jig or a paddle tail or something of that nature. So I, I like to be, I like to have an inactive rod that I'm not, you know, using mm-hmm. and I like to be actively fishing with another one. So at most times I run two rods on lakes when I'm, when I'm wall- targeting walleyes. So I'll fish the weed edges and I'll have one in the weeds and that's a really effective way to catch some walleyes in the summertime. Um, Deep slip bobbers is another really good way. A deep slip bobber with a leech is really hard to beat. All right. Um, Or a full crawler. Yep. Full crawler. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I have caught a lot of walleye on a full 12 inch, you know, just an absolute hog of a night crawler. Interesting. So you don't have, I'm assuming you're in the right place. Then if there's a bunch of walleye, you're not, uh, you're pinching, you're not worried about little bluegills or whatever, nibbling off the the ends of your crawler. Those walleyes, once they, they get a whiff of it or they, they find it, they're going to take the whole thing. Correct. Um, most times. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes I'll get some pesky little perch that start nibbling on it, but then I'm sure. just like, Oh, whatever. I'm not going to get away from them. You yeah. know, they're going to be in the same spot. Those walleye are there for a reason. Yep. If those small fish are there, you're in a good spot. Okay. Got it. Got it. Very good to know. So th- a lot of that then just the, the walleyes are, they're feeding on those fish. Yeah. Okay. I, I noticed that perch have got to be one of the walleye's number one forage species when it comes to lakes. Okay. Um, Considering they're in the same family, I don't know if it's pseudo cannibalism or something like that. <laughs> but we don't need to define it. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll just say the walleye like to eat perch. It's a good eating fish. We'll, we'll leave it. Oh at that. yeah, I think every Wisconsinite can agree with that. Oh yeah. So then, so say you're you're out there, you find you get on a decent perch bite. Would you maybe consider dropping a? Um, you know, a rod that you're not working with a full size crawler or something, hoping a walleye might pick that up or yes, hundred percent. I would gotcha. Um, or I'll put a bigger minnow on and drop it down. Gotcha. Um, so I I've had days where I'm catching perch and in the same sense, you know, I've got a, say I've got, you know, a jig with a crappie minnow on one hand, Mm -hmm. I'll drop down a rip and wrap in my other and I'll start bouncing that off the bottom. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So then, so rip and wraps then that's a pretty common tool in your arsenal as your uh, target. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, gotcha. big time. Doing just like what you said, just dropping her on the rocks or dropping her, you know, dropping it on the rocks, um, vertical jigging or casting it into Eddie snap jigging it back. Okay, sure. I like it. I like that a lot. Talk to me about trolling a little bit. When's the uh, time and place for for that tactic? I know you mentioned you're you're not the biggest fan of it, but 
when the fish are when I'm feeling lazy and it's it's hot out and I want to sit down. Okay, sure. Um, so I'll put on, you know, a bigger weight, I'll light a bunch of line out and I'll troll a crawler harness around some deeper some deeper water points, um, up humps and stuff like that. Okay. Crawler harnesses are probably my number one go to because it's I haven't really experimented with a bunch of different baits. I've caught walleye dragging suckers for muskies, funny enough. Um, huh. I like using the smaller suckers for muskies yep. um, when I'm dragging. So we'll have a Carolina rig sucker, you know, circle luck. And I've caught a, like 27 inch walleyes doing that um, in really deep water, um, 50 feet of water and, and shallower, um, like 20, 25 to 40 feet of water, 50 feet of water, just dragging suckers like that. Um, but when I'm using crawler harnesses, usually I'm keeping the boat speed pretty low, just trying to keep keep the blade of that harness spinning, sure, um, and keep that bait out of the weeds. Sometimes I'll inflate the, um, I'll either inflate the night crawler with a little needle, or I'll try and get the crawler harnesses that have the foam on them to yep. keep it the bait out of the weeds and just keep the sucker in the weeds and keep the hopefully keep the blades spinning because once they get into any weeds, they don't like to spin very easily. Right. No, that makes sense. I'm curious here. My, I I just thought of this. Um, as you mentioned, you like fishing smaller minnows for musky. I've talked to a lot of fly fishing guys who like the exact same thing where they, you know, their, their rationale for targeting musky is yeah, they might eat that, you know, 15 inch fish, you know, once every you know 48 hours or so but when they eat that fish they're spending the rest of the day digesting it right but the smaller ones that they can just snack on they can mow one of those things down digest it pretty easily and then go back for more of those smaller ones which are also you know in theory more in abundance and easier to catch yep when you're targeting walleye do you ever downsize or upsize any of your rigs or any of your, uh... I usually stick to two inches to about three and a half. Okay. Um, I have some bigger plastics that I use when it comes to walleyes. Sure. Um, I think they're called like walleye assassins. They're, they're a higher density plastic. And usually I switch to those cause they're, like I said, they're a higher density plastic. So they'll sink really easily. Mm-hmm. So if I'm fishing fast current, I uh, will put those on and, I've had it some, I've had my numbers of walleye go down when I'm fishing those due to some of these smaller walleyes just can't get the bait in the mouth. Okay. Sure. But I have not had it to where downsizing has been a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I have not had it to where upsizing has been a bad thing. All right. Um, obviously your numbers are going to lessen because you're going to keep some of those 11 inch walleyes off your hook. Mm-hmm. But I've also had times where, you know, that 11, that 11 inch will get ballsy and he'll decide to try and eat that, uh, and, you know, four inch swim bait that you're throwing right. around. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it really depends on what you want to throw. A lot right. of times I'll, you know, I just did a live stream on my Instagram where I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm going to switch. I'm going to use this hair jig. This is my go-to. This is what I'm sticking to. Well, then I'm fishing for an hour and I'm not getting nothing. So I put a plastic on. 
Mm-hmm. And I catch a fish within the first five minutes. <laughs> Out of the same spot? Out of the same area, yeah. Oh, man. Drop it down, twitch it twice. There's a 20-inch walleye. Jeez. Dude, that's like, that's one of those feelings that's like, it's it's a huge relief because you're like, oh, finally. Okay, I figured out what they want to eat. This is awesome. But then also you're like kicking yourself. You're like, dang it, why didn't I do this sooner? <laughs> exactly. That's fishing for you, though. I like yeah, it. it's not a gimme. No, you know? no, it's fishing, not catching. Exactly. That's super cool, man. So are there... Are there any other tactics or anything walleye related that you think that we that we uh, haven't touched on or that we've missed so far? Um, not really. I think a lot of people when they first start walleye fishing, they have this the mindset of I have to go slow, I have to do this. Walleye are you know they're like any other predatory fish. If they see something fast moving, most of the time they'll chase it. Sure. Um, so you'll get that reaction bite out of them. Sometimes. Yeah. A okay. lot of times that when I'm say I'm fishing current eddies, I'm not, you know, say I'm fishing this current eddy with a rip and wrap. Yeah. I'm not just lifting that bait up and letting it fall. I am snapping that thing and bringing it back down to the bottom, letting it touch the bottom and snapping it back up. Okay. Getting those rattles moving, getting that vibration in the water and getting that aggressive hit. Yeah, totally. Totally, man. I like it. I've got one final question here for you, man. And it's pertaining to this time of year. And I'm hoping mm-hmm. you can tell me what the heck's going on. So you mentioned that walleye are running upriver to spawn. I know it's super popular on the Mississippi, on the Wisconsin, on, on pretty much any river that's got walleyes. I know there are guys practically fighting for bank space to get there as early as they possibly can below these dams to be casting for walleye in the wee hours of the morning. What are they like? I guess, what are the fish doing? It sounds like they're on their way up to spawn. So it's, it, it, they're hitting a pre-spawn bite. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Okay. And what's the strategy here? Is it just like, they're all stacked up below the dam and they haven't like been able to make their way through. And so like, it's just prime time to throw food to them or what's part the... of it is yes that i think a lot of people enjoy fishing dams because it's it's a bigger area to fish so it's kind of yeah, like a totally. lake yeah um but in addition to that if you got moving water that is moving that fast that water is highly oxygenated sure so yeah. that those walleye are going to be fired up much like if you've got an aerated minnow bucket yeah. and you don't let you have the you know you have your aerator off for say an hour and your minnows are floating up at the top you turn your aerator on what do those minnows do they get a lot more active. Yeah. So if you're fishing an area that is highly aerated and has moving water and has bubbles in the water, much like a dam would, those fish are just going to be absolutely on it. Okay, sure. And so is that, I guess, is is setting up below the bank or below the dam, off the bank, or if you got a boat, you know, just wherever you're at below the dam in that regard – is that a year-round tactic, or is it best right now because they're making that run to go up and spawn? I think walleye fishing right now on rivers is at its peak due to okay. the run. Sure. Um, but you can catch – I've caught walleyes below dams all year round. 
Sure. Um, they stay in that oxygenated water. And usually there's more rocks around dams. Sure. So they've got a lot more areas to ambush and sit behind these rocks and these and get out of the current while still, you know, having enough air to survive. Interesting. I mean, that totally makes sense. That totally does. And I would imagine too, they've got, there's so much churn from underneath there that, well, part of it, I guess, like you said, is uh, rivers are, you know, tend to have dirtier water than lakes anyway. So the visibility is not, not quite as uh, good, but I would imagine it's even, you know, it's even less so when you've got all that silt and, you know, the turbulence, stuff. Yeah. yeah, all the turbulence below the water, kicking all that up. That sounds like a, a walleye's dream right there, man. That's awesome. That's well, it's where Louis Spray caught the uh, world record muskie was under a dam. Really? What was the guy's name? I believe so. Louis Spray? Louis Spray. I I feel like a terrible Wisconsinite right now that I don't know who that is. I know the world largest the, the world's largest muskie um that did come out of Wisconsin, right? Dude, I'm I believe so. Unless they change it. I know there's some controversy around it, but I'm saying it right here, right now. Louis Spray has a world record. <laughs> I like it, man. I like it. We're holding the record muskie. We're going to let Johnny King hold on to the record buck or I don't know, or, or Diddy. I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> I don't know. Well, we'll let Wisconsin at least get the credit for it. How about that? There we go. And until there's sufficient evidence uh, otherwise, but well, man, we've been going for, uh, for over an hour here now. Um, I know it's uh early in the evening here getting close to dinner time and all that. So I want to make sure that uh, I don't take up too much of your time, but for folks who uh, want to follow along with some of your weekend warrior adventures, where can uh, we send folks to find them? I think it is. It's Wisconsin weekend warrior on Instagram and TikTok. Um, I'm trying to get a YouTube going. I got to get a camera for that. Um, but yeah, you can follow my antics, my hunting and my fishing antics on uh, Wisconsin weekend warrior on TikTok and Instagram. Awesome, man. I, folks, I highly recommend you do. There's some pretty sweet stuff on there uh, just that I've seen so far. And like you said, you, you know, doing your Instagram lives and stuff like that while you're out there fishing. And uh, it's, uh, it's a fun or account just setting to follow. Up my tackle. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's a place where folks can go to learn and they can, uh, you know, see how you're doing stuff and, uh, you know, just follow along, if anything, because they're yeah. stuck behind a desk or, uh, you know, at home or anything like that. But, exactly. And if anybody has questions regarding, you know, fishing or hunting or anything, or just wants to have a conversation about something, mm -hmm. they can message me and, you know, I'll get back to them as soon as I can. Yeah. Awesome, man. I like it. Well, dude, I sincerely appreciate you coming on the show. I'm really glad that our paths crossed um, at the BHA yeah, banquet uh, a couple weeks ago, man. And we're going to have to meet up and do some fishing here uh, while this walleye bite is uh, getting hot. You'll have to show me the ways. Hey, but, I um, agree. <laughs> but yeah, man, we'll uh, we'll we'll definitely have to make that happen. And uh, dude, sincerely, thank you for uh, for coming on. And uh, folks, I, I I I know folks listening to this learned a ton. I know that for a fact because dude, I'm over here. I'm like I had my notepad out. I was jotting stuff down <laughs> the entire time we've been talking. Man, I learned a ton here already. So thank you for that. And just uh, you know, just doing such a great job of you know breaking stuff down and answering stuff in just a such a comprehensive manner man did a great job so thank you 
Um, yeah. yeah, folks, go follow him on uh, on Instagram and and soon YouTube, Wisconsin Weekend Warrior. Bryce, we'll be in touch. For sure. That's all for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. And while you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would appreciate that a ton. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman Pod. That's also the best way to get a hold of me to suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on this show. Big thanks to our awesome partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more awesome outdoor content, go check out thesportsmansempire.com where you'll find a ton of other outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.